Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce Steve Fretzen for the second part of our discussion, the first of which was last week, regarding business development and what it looks like in the context of legal services. Steve is a business development expert who will share his invaluable insights with us and will tell us a bit more about his no-sales selling technique, which enables him to help his clients to be that lawyer. Steve Fretzen is the president of Fretzen, Inc., a legal business development and marketing company founded in 2004. He was driven into the legal industry during the recession of 2008 when attorneys began calling him for help. While not an attorney himself, Steve has worked with thousands of attorneys in most practice areas. Steve is 100% committed to his client's success and works diligently each day to ensure they are achieving their goals of financial and personal freedom. In addition to publishing Sales Free Selling, The Attorney's Networking Handbook, and his latest book, The Ambitious Attorney, Steve has been featured in Cranes, the Chicago Tribune, WGN Radio, NBC News, and is a regular monthly columnist for the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin. It is my pleasure to welcome Steve Fretzen back to the show. Thanks. So we covered so much ground in our last segment, and we learned a lot about you personally as well as professionally and how you got started working with lawyers in the sales and business development space. So why don't we pick up our discussion by talking about some things that, whether it's personality traits or or just the challenges of an attorney's day-to-day existence, why don't we talk a little bit about some of the challenges for lawyers when it comes to business development. We always hear how challenging it can be to balance everything and keep all the plates spinning, so to speak. So I think time management is one area that a lot of attorneys see challenges. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's talk a little bit about time management. So, you know, attorneys are in this, in this billable hour world and every hour that goes by, you know, that's billed is that's a good hour. And every hour that is wasted is a bad hour. And they all affect compensation. They all affect job satisfaction, how they're being perceived at the firm, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, different attorneys have different numbers that they strive to hit every year. So you take that and then say, oh, by the way, on top of that, and time you want to spend with your family, we're going to now dump, you know, the idea of business development where you have to go out and get business on your head. And I can see, you know, every day how attorneys are so turned off by the fact that they, A, you know, have to do it or think about it or make it a part of their world, but it's the reality of the business. So, if it is to be done, if business development is, is something that needs to be done as a part of the job, then the best thing a lawyer could do is to, is to accept it and move on to learn it and try to be as effective and efficient as possible. And time management, like business development, is a learned skill. I'll tell you right off the bat that I am built as uh, someone who is incredibly disorganized 
and I fly whichever way the wind blows. I consider me a feather, Tina. I mean, that's, that's my natural way. And if you talk to my dad, the lawyer who's very organized, you know, he can spend, you know, months on consumer reports before buying a car. He will tell you that, you know, I'm someone who, who, you know, had the dirtiest room and had the, you know, you know, the hardest time just staying focused with anything. So in, in, in saying all that, it leads up to, I had to become a student of time management. I had to learn processes and ways of doing things to get my desk clean, to, to get, stay organized, to leverage technology. And thank God I did, you know, about a year into my running my business because it was, it, it was starting to get a little nasty, you know, stacks of business cards on my desk. I had proposals I couldn't find because they were buried under other notes. It just went on and on. So if, if <laughs> I find being, this hard to believe, Steve. <laughs> if, well, it's, if no one believes me, which is why I have to, yeah, I may have to bring in some references, but the reality is that, that I had to learn it. And once I did and accepted that this is the better way to go, that it changed everything. In fact, you can't see my desk, but it's, it's absolutely clean. I have an inbox with four or five sheets of paper in it. And I don't have a business card on my desk. I don't have anything on my desk. My inbox of my email is cleaned out every day. You know, no open in emails. They've all been addressed. So that's not being said to brag. That's being said is a story to give an example that, that with that time management skill allows for people to have better balance and, and do the business development in an efficient way and, 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 you know, take things off their plate that they maybe shouldn't be doing or that they need to delegate. And, there's processes for that. So getting into the weeds a little bit on that, there's a couple things that I, that I recommend being done. And one of my clients just did this last weekend and called me about it to kind of explain what was going on. But we, call it, we called it the purge. And essentially it was taking every little stack or mess or, or whatever in his office and going, putting it in a huge pile, getting an assistant to help and just starting at the top and working our way down. And just getting through it so that, it, you know, it's five, six, seven hours later that the entire, you know, room is cleaned and everything has been filed and everything's been put in its place. It gives you a clean slate to work with and the weight of all that mess comes off your shoulders. Okay. And then the second thing is just looking at what you're doing and trying to figure out where there are deficits. So another thing I'll have clients go through, if that wasn't bad enough, is I'll have them record their entire day or a couple days, meaning that they, they wake up and immediately I have them start recording every 15 minutes of what they did in that 15 minutes. And that happens all day. And by doing that, what ends up happening is you start seeing all of the wasted time that you have. And you start realizing, wow, you know, I was on Amazon buying, you know, tennis balls you know, I was, I was, you know, I had someone stop in my office and talk to me for 20 minutes and that was a waste of time or whatever. And it just adds up and it's three, four, five hours of your day was pretty much wasted. And so then we can start to work with, with that to understand, look, if we do the math on that and we say, all right, so you're, let's say you're wasting two hours a day. Okay. And it's five days a week. That's 10 hours a week, 40 hours a month. Well, you just added potentially an extra week onto your month. Well, that could be all business development. So we're, we're, we're adding time and we're not playing God, but we're adding time uh, through looking at inefficiencies and trying to evolve through planning and processes, better ways of running your day and also getting business. 
Well, and those are really good examples. You know, I'm very much a process person. I'm a process engineer by training and also have found that when it comes to trying to have as much of a life as, as, as you can, it's all about time management and making yourself aware, however best to make yourself aware of what you do during the course of the day. So what you just described about marking down in like 15 minute increments, what you're doing during the course of the day, I actually do that every day. Part of it is what I need to do as an attorney billing my time. But I also find that even when I'm doing non-billable activities, I'm writing them down just so I have a sense as to how I'm doing in terms of time management, both during the week as well as on the weekends, because there's a lot of opportunity, I would say, particularly during the weekend when the emails aren't flying and your phone is ringing off the hook for work to really, I guess, you know, get your hands dirty on some of those projects that you may not otherwise be able to get your hands on, whether it's reading a book for your own personal and professional enrichment or having an opportunity to have dinner with a client that may not be available during the week, whatever the case may be. I I think what you've just mentioned is very valuable. And I would encourage all of our listeners to the extent that they don't have a system like that, where they are really making themselves very mindful of how they're spending their their time. I, I think that's critically important. I mean, it's amazing what what you can find. I've got two quick examples. I have one client who's an estate planner who we identified through this process that he was spending two hours a day making copies. So that's here's crazy. Someone, it's crazy, but he he just never he just did wanted it done his way. And I said, well, your way. I mean, we're not talking about you know you know, a a big court appearance. We're talking about copies. I mean, this isn't something you can train your assistant to do. That's insane. So again, it's a week, a month, an added week, a month this gentleman had because he's no longer doing copies. Here's one that's even, even weirder. I identified with one of my other clients more recently, his big issue, because he's pretty organized, is that he's going to bed too late. So instead of going to bed at 10, he's going to bed at midnight or one o'clock. Well, what does that mean? He's going to sleep until eight or nine o'clock. Well, there you go. Go to bed at 10, wake up. Wow. (laughs) Right. And you just added two hours onto your day. And, you know, I didn't have to work with this guy on process too much. We just had to figure out, you know, I had to get his wife on board. Like we had to have like a tough conversation about his sleeping habits. And we just need to get this guy to bed earlier. And there you go. So it doesn't always have to be complicated. It just has to be something that is identified or multiple things that are identified. And that could be a big part of, of what's missing from the, you know, from it. And then of course, you know, let's say we find time. Well, then it's, it's then how are you spending that saved or that found time in a more efficient way, doing things like building more hours or spending more time with family or doing business development, right? Now you've got some time free to do it. So we've talked about time management, which is obviously a very critical piece. And there's so much more I want to ask you that we're going to cover in the next few minutes. But I do think that we should take at least a little bit of time to address some other things, I would say personality traits, if you will, that a number of attorneys believe, and I think there are a lot of them out there, prevent them from being super effective when it comes to business development. For example, a lot of lawyers are introverted by nature and believe 
that that inhibits them in a meaningful way from being able to really be effective in business development. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, everybody's built a different way. As I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm sort of a a kind of a more dominant person type of personality or, or behavior trait. And I also am an influencer. So, you know, theater and sales, and there are things that I'm just sort of built for. And of course, that makes me, as I mentioned earlier, incredibly, you know, potentially incredibly disorganized and all over the place. And there's other people that are very process oriented, you know, like my father and, and, and other people that are engineers. And, and so one thing that I've been doing for a long time and continue to do is disk assessments. Uh, I've been a distributor for a company called TTI for years, and they're one of the top assessment companies in the country. And I, I disk assess all my clients. And what that is essentially, it's not really a personality test like a Myers-Briggs. It's really about behaviors. And there's four behavioral traits that it, that it focuses on, dominance, influencing, steadiness, and compliance. And everybody is built with all four of those, but there are typically one or two that are higher level traits than others. And these types of behaviors can be genetic. They can be through, you know, the, the you know, atmosphere that you're in, you know, who your family is, how you're brought up. But essentially, through the ages of, let's say, four to eight years old, that's when your behavior traits sort of get aligned and that's who you become the rest of your life. So my son, Andrew, is very much like me. And so my wife is unfortunately dealing with two of us uh, who are <laughs> you know, built very much the same way. You know, we're very um, stubborn and, and, and challenging in some respects. But she is a, a high S, which is a supporter. It's a, safe, it's a safe person. She's a teacher. So the way she's built is actually terrific for us because we've got this great sort of supporter and, and, and team player in our corner that's just, you know, that's just, that's always going to help us be better. So in thinking about what this means to lawyers, especially around business development, as I mentioned, you know, there are people that are naturally built to be rainmakers and everyone in law says, oh, that person's a natural rainmaker. And yeah, they, they have uh, maybe a, a better chance of, of making it happen. However, there are people that are, you know, highly introverted that are very uncomfortable with networking events or very uncomfortable with, with, you know, having some conversations with clients about introductions, things like that, where because of their deficit in, in that introversion, we need to step up and, and teach them processes and teach them language and give and prepare them with all the tools. And of course, that's their bread and butter. They love process. They love systems. You know, they're the kind of people when they put a puzzle together you know, they're going to do it in a systematic way with the edges first, and they're going to work their way in, or they're going to do it by color, you know. And so we can work with, with anybody to help them with business development, but behavioral traits and how you communicate based on, on not only who you are, but also how other people are is, is an important part of business development. I, I one quick, quick example. So if I'm a, a highly extroverted person, which I am, and I'm dealing with, with uh, let's say, a lawyer who is interested in my services who's highly introverted, okay? In fact, if, if eye contact was made for more than five seconds, you know, his head would explode. <laughs> so, so, you know, we're, we're, we're in two totally different playing fields. What I will do is if I, I will quickly identify through observation, the way the person looks, speaks, acts, 
that this is someone who's highly introverted. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the lampshade off my head, right? And I'm going to cool it out. I'm going to limit my eye contact. I'm going to ask open-ended questions. I'm going to slow down my speech. And I'm going to do everything I can to make that person feel as comfortable as possible that I'm like that person. Now, am I being fake? No. What I'm doing is I'm improving the level of communication because the saying used to be treat people the way they want to be treated. And what I'm saying is I treat people the way they want to be treated. Has nothing to do with me. I need to be the one that's going to adapt based on who they are as a person and how they want to be communicated to. And we all want that. We all want to be like, we like people like ourselves. So I'm going to adapt a little bit to make sure that that communication is stronger, not through being fake, but by trying to be more like that person so we can have a better conversation. And also it helps just in general trust and likability. And so I've been teaching lawyers how to do this, not only uh, learning behavior styles and how to adapt to be more like the person they're talking to, which benefits them in prospect meetings and networking, but also I've been teaching NLP. Tina, are you familiar with that? I am not. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And that's where we learn about the art of body language, how people filter information. And so when you think about building relationships or you think about how is this GC going to like me better than the other lawyers that this GC is meeting, well, those are things that can be worked on. Relationships are built on trust and likability. And someone wants to work with someone that they like and trust. So the idea that we can read their body language and mirror that body language, the idea that you know, I can even watch eyes and, and figure out if someone is more visual than maybe auditory. And so these are things that, that there's books that have been written on. You can certainly search it on, on the internet to find more information about DISC and NLP. But these are the kinds of things that I'm trying to, when I try to make a lawyer into more of like a, a business development assassin, these are some soft skills that just never would be taught anywhere near a law school but they're, they're important for how we improve our, our efforts in business development and being efficient with it. So we've talked a lot about your mindset, what you teach. You know, you've got an amazing framework that you work with. You're very experienced in sales, not just with lawyers, but as we discussed in our last segment, how you got started was outside of the law. You're not a lawyer you know, I think you've given us really good insight into some of the ways in which your system and your framework is different than others who also claim to be business development coaches, particularly targeting to lawyers. Do you want to share with our listeners um, high level sort of what makes you different than a lot of other folks that may purport to be business development consultants or coaches? Sure, I'm happy to do that, and um, and I'll preface this by saying that you know just like in any in any industry, there's there's really really good people and there's really really bad people. Not bad evil, but bad like as as far as like their experience or their ability to really be a game changer for the person that they're coaching. And in fact, I'm working with a new firm, and I'm I they've been working with another coach for I think if you can believe this, ten years. Wow. That person stayed at a law firm for ten years. That's that's something I haven't figured out. But you know, I'm I'm trying to make people better so they don't need me. I'm not a therapist looking to hold on to someone for ten years. But they were giving me all types of stories about how these meetings were being run, and I was just like, I was shaking my head. I couldn't believe this person had gotten away with this for so long. 
And so what I, what I have figured out is that I'm really looking to work with attorneys that need two things. They need a coach that can help them plan and execute and hold them accountable to achieving real goals and real growth. So coaching is a part of it, but I have a process for how I run those coaching meetings, you know, using tracking tools that we, you know, we work with and, and, and having a structure where I continually can see improvement. There's no meeting that I'm going to have where I'm just like, oh, okay, it looks like you're doing fine. We're going to identify areas that aren't working or that could be better, and we're going to continue to work to improve them. So that's part of it. And then the other part of it is putting most of the lawyers I work with through skills building classes. So it is a little bit like working with me is a little bit like going back to school. And again, unless you have all the processes and all the language and everything you need, then fine. You know, I can coach you and we can have that kind of relationship, but that's only maybe 5% of the people that I work with. The other 95, it's a combination of this, of one-on-one coaching because they're unique and they need unique help. And then it's also putting them in classes, putting them in groups with other attorneys that have the same sort of, you know, deficits as it relates to learning all of these methodologies. I mean, I have methodologies on just about everything In fact, I can't even remember the last time someone hit me up with something, a problem they were having, a challenge they were having, a situation where I I had to figure out the answer. I've I've done it all. I've worked, you know, for over 10 years with lawyers in every practice area. So it's rare that I'm going to come across something that I haven't seen, heard, or had to address. So what I'm saying is that there's a lot of coaches out there. You have to vet them. You have to maybe figure out um, by talking with some of their past clients are they results oriented or was it just a good experience? I, I want to give people a good experience, but at the end of the day, all I care about is that they get results using me, that the investment that they make in me, time and money and energy, that they're doubling or tripling their business, they're getting to a whole nother level, and that they have internalized the processes, the methodologies, the coaching into themselves so that they don't need me forever. I'm not really looking to work with lawyers again and again and again. It's, it's let me work with you. Let's, let's change the way you do things, make it work and get you the results you're looking for. And then maybe we stay on some small retainer. We stay in, you know, together in some small way, but it's certainly not putting you through another structured program. I only have one. So when someone graduates, you know, they, they graduate and they're off to the races. So that's something I'm doing. And I don't know, I can't even think that there is another coach out there that's doing exactly what I'm doing. There might be, but that's, that's what I'm doing. So instead of putting together some kind of crash course, what I say is I put together a crush course. And the graduates that I have that I've worked with, you know, they, if you go on my LinkedIn or whatever, it's not, it's not ego or bragging. It's just I care about the results and I don't want to finish working with someone until they're, they're just absolutely knocking it out of the ballpark. That sounds terrific. And I'm sure that when we have future conversations, we'll get into a little bit more detail about what this process looks like and some of the takeaways you've had from helping folks. And in in that vein, I ask the next question, which means that our time together is almost over. Looking back at, at your career and all the different clients and situations that you've encountered during the course of your career, if there was anything that you were particularly proud of or that you wish you had done differently, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear. I mean, I think part of my part of my behavior style, part of how I'm built 
is I'm very ambitious, but I also, I just see good and opportunity in everything and everybody. And so I think what I've learned to do that I've had to kind of, you know, kind of pull back is I see an opportunity, somebody wants to partner with me on a business or uh, there's another, you know, oh, you know, maybe it's podcasting, maybe it's videos, maybe it's this, it's that. Like I, I love trying new things and that's not a bad thing, but sometimes it takes me off of what I'm best at doing. And so I, I really, you know, continue to evolve and learn how to stay focused on what I do best, which is is business development, coaching and training for attorneys and not trying to get into development of websites or try to get involved in in a lot of other things that I've I've tried and just haven't felt maybe as rewarded or have found it to be challenging for me because it's not really what I was what I was you know built for. So I would think that that's one of the main lessons that I've learned is is to really know your lane and and while you might get pulled into other lanes sometimes it's and it's good to explore things but but know that that you know when you find the right lane you know leverage it to the to the degree that you can because you'll probably get more out of it than than trying to you know keep trying new things all the time you know i think that's a great point steve and i wholeheartedly agree i think that just based on my experience i've been now at, at two different firms and you know, there is a school of thought, at least as it relates to lawyers, and this may be a topic for us to continue delving into in a future chat that we'll have. But there is a certain ideology that some lawyers have that you have to be the best that you can be in everything. Like, and when when I say everything, it means even areas that that may not really be your strong suit. I mean, I'm all for staying abreast of things and continuing to have your practice evolve as as the legal profession evolves and so forth. But I, I don't think trying to do a lot of different areas for clients and not leveraging, like if you're in a big law firm, there's really no reason for you to be trying to learn an area that is very different from something that you're very well versed in. Now, obviously there are exceptions to that, but trying to be everything to everybody, I don't think serves people well. Um, that being said, in, in the sort of vein of staying in your own lane, I wholeheartedly agree with you. The only thing I would add to that is that it's important to do that check-in with yourself, whether it's your practice, whether it's the clients you represent, or maybe extracurricular activities that you're involved in, whether they're trade associations or boards. I think it's always important to really take stock of what you're doing and in the time management vein really how you're spending your time as you evolve and your skills evolve and as your practice and your life evolves. I think doing an, a typical check-in at certain points of time is really important to make sure that you are getting the most out of the things that you are spending your time on because you naturally grow into and out of things. And I think people should just be mindful that it's important to take stock on a periodic basis to make sure that you continue to do those activities that you are learning the most from and leveraging the most. Yeah. And again, so it's not about lacking ambition or interest in other things or, or put it, dipping your toe into other subject matters, or even most importantly, like looking ahead to see what's coming up you know, the pipe as far as, you know, potential areas of law that you could, you know, get into or that are maybe a part like, so if you're in, 
you know, labor and employment. All right. So, you know, the marijuana laws are changing or, you know, there's, there's things coming up that you could engage in, but you're still staying in labor and employment and you're going to, you're going to figure out where the business is, you know, within the lane that you're in. That's all, that's all, you know, great that I, I'm a big fan of, of looking ahead, but to say, Oh, I'm a labor and employment attorney and now I'm going to try doing traffic violations and DUIs. Well, that's, that makes no sense. Right. So hopefully you're happy in the area that you're in. If you're young enough or able enough and you want to get into something else because you're unhappy, then I get that. But I do work with attorneys that are, they're always looking at weighing out different things to do. And I know for me, having a coach in the past and, and working with you know many coaches since, that it's just great to be able to, to run things by, you know, an outside, you know, objective mind that can sometimes say, you know, I get where you're going with this, but, you know, here, maybe we want to, you know, table that because you've got these opportunities that we haven't fully invested in yet. Let's focus on that. And we can come back to that. And usually it just drifts away because now we're, we're back on target with where we should have been in the first place. So why don't you share with our listeners what's next for you? You've got a great business. You are clearly wonderful at what you do and following your life's passion. What do you see coming up next for you? I mean, really what's next for me is just continuing to find, find highly motivated and ambitious attorneys and law firms that I can work with to get results. This is, you know, I, I'm only as good as the players, right? So I can coach till my, you know, heart explodes. But at the end of the day, I need the right players, the right lawyers that are hungry and interested and ambitious, et cetera, to, to take the field and take the coaching and, and work with me to get results. And that's, you know, I'd love to tell you that I've got a hundred things, you know, going on, but I mean, I've written three books. I write articles every month. I've got all kinds of videos I do. And so I'm going to keep putting great content out into the space. Maybe podcasting might be my next gig, but really it's at the end of the day, I just want to spend my, my time helping attorneys live the dream of building a book, having a great career, putting money in the bank, you know, building up those 529s for the kids and, and just making sure they've got their, you know, they've got uh, the sustainable growing you know, book that, that affects their, their livelihood. I mean, when I hear my clients, you know, successful in doing those things and, and they come back to me and we grab lunch and they tell me how great things are going. I mean, that's, that's my whole life. That's what I, that's what I care about and, and where I want to spend the rest of my career. Awesome. So Steve, why don't you share with our listeners where they can find you? So easiest way to find me is either typing my name into LinkedIn or going directly to my website, fretzin.com. It's F-R-E-T-Z-I-N.com. My email, if you want to reach out to me with any questions or to talk about my services in more specific detail or get an evaluation on your practice is a steve at fretzin.com. And of course, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all that jazz. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a fun ride talking to you. It's been a blast. Thanks, Tina. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. I'm your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.